What's going on here? <laughs> hey What's the problem, huh? <laughs> uh. <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa. What's going on? 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 Human hit factory is ready to roll! I think I need a splint or something. It's very big. Okay. Thanks for the visual. Confucius say easy does it, Skippy. You freeze! Sir, you do not have to kick my ass. Wait a minute, just wait, wait, wait. You blew your cover. <laughs> you cute little monkey. Okay. <laughs> Give me back my monkey. Now get out! Hurry up, man, she's leaving. If Big Mama's not here, then she's just gonna leave, and then we have no case. You're back so soon! The real Big Mama is back. Come on, where's all this great southern hospitality I've heard so much about, Maddie May, if I can call you that? Listen, I was hoping we could sit in the front porch and shuck corn, shoot squirrels. That's really charming from a woman of your advanced years. I'm stuck in the middle of the desert! Never. Never, ever, ever. Like never, ever, 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 infinity. This is an emergency. No! Hello, listening people. Hello. You're listening to Spin Posh Presents the... I was going to say... Unappreciated masterpieces, yeah. and then I was like, no, no, it's the mystery box, and then I'm like, no, no, it's pictures power, no, no, it's our Q and A and update, no, 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 it's our 200th episode I, of content, people. I made a mistake too, so let's start again. Are you sure? You want to start all the way from the beginning? Hello, it's me, Ryan, and we're doing Big Fat Liar. No, um, <laughs> I am one of the hosts of this podcast you're currently listening to, Ryan Swinsky, and I am two hosts, Bartek. Two people as one. No, 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 not not the okay. quantity of two. I'm the second. Oh, I thought you maybe you're like I'm like two, two as in me, like me too. To- two hosts. <laughs> two. You're one host. I'm two hosts. We are doing a show, Pictures Power, a show in which we cover a movie that has come highly recommended. But for this one, this is our two hundredth episode milestone of 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 podcast episodes that we've released this is our 200th and this was fell on a listening people's choice and so we chose that the listening people well the listening people chose and the fact that they were all screaming we need more paul giamatti so we are doing for this episode we're going to be talking about the uh, the 2006 m night Shyamalan classic lady in the water nailed it bartek yes why we got some spin polish again for the 200th time tell us why continuity Okay, cool. Are we joined by anyone for this episode? Is it is it Paul himself? We Paul are, G. Marty, are you here? We are joined by someone for this episode. Someone who's been in two of the three Paul G. Marty things we've done on the show. Two out of three ain't bad. Yeah. Two out of three ain't bad. Is it is it Paul himself? We've Paul G. Nev- Marty. I, I don't think we've ever had a Paul on the show. Wow. You sure about that? Hmm. Sure about that? Yeah. Ryan edited in the, episode, the whole episode where we had a Paul as a guest. <laughs> Uh, we are. Joined... My confirmation name is Paul. Maybe that counts. Okay, cool, cool. And we we were both Catholic. We're both Catholics in some variety, so we both worshipped at one point a John Paul. So Bartek, who was our guest? Our guest is Wet Wild Will. 
Wet Wild Will. Hello, listening people. Hello. How are you we doing? Are, I'm, I'm surprised that we were joined by Will Smith for this episode. I, big YouTube star, Will Smith. I stole all off. your subscribers, Ryan. <laughs> no, no, that, that's Wild Wild They're West. Mine Will. now. <laughs> it's the Wiki Wiki Wild Wild West Will. <laughs> no, 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 you're Wet Wild Will. Wet Wild Will. I can be both. Will, you're, you're a big fan of the Gold Coast. Will's Wet and Wild Adventure, yeah. <laughs> So I'd watch that. We are going to be getting in depth about Lady in the Water. So if you listening people ah, have depth, like in water, I got. Yeah. Don't worry, there's a lot here. Um, like, oh, like water in the ocean. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Scrunt, meaning <laughs> who knows? What the fuck did you just call me? <laughs> oh boy, you tattoo dick. <laughs> so listening people, if you have not had the chance to watch the film Lady in the Water, you can. Um, it could be beneficial to help you yeah. understand what we're going to be talking about. You have the rest of your life. Yeah. If you don't watch it, don't be surprised if what we are so- uh, saying sounds really odd and complicated, because it's M. Night Shyamalan, people. It's a complicated world of intrigue and twists and wonderment that we're getting into. So... Heavy lore. Spoilers alert for a film that is nearly 14 years old. Bartek. What is your history with this feature film and the maker of it, M. Night Shyamalan? I haven't seen it until, uh, you know, for this show, so no history there. And M. Night Shyamalan, I haven't really seen much of his work, but I know of his legacy. Okay. His infamy. So what ones have you seen, if any, of his films? I remember... You can say Stuart Little. Off that counts, yeah, I've seen Stuart Little shitloads of times when I was a kid. Oh, man, man, me um, too. And I've never <laughs> seen Stuart Little 2, but I've seen Stuart Little 3. I haven't seen 3, but I've seen 2. Um, <laughs> oh, boy. And I remember one time I was at, like, a movie night with some friends, and there were Avatar fans, so like, oh, let's watch The Last Airbender, that'll be funny. We were, like, halfway mm. through it, and they turned it off. <laughs> because it was boring? Yeah, it so was. So is that the only one you've seen? Half of Avatar The Last Airbender? Probably, yeah. You haven't seen Sixth Sense? I ha- I've told you about this. I have a DVD copy of it, but there's like a bump on it, so I can't watch past like a minute. What about Unbreakable? No, no, I haven't. Oh, man, we've got to do Unbreakable. Now, Will. Yes. Okay. Will, what is your history with this film, Lady in the Water, and M. Night Shyamalan? Um, my history with this film is pretty minimal. Like, um, I, I was aware of its existence, but I hadn't watched it. And then when you, uh, the other week suggested, it's like, oh, we're doing Lady in the Water. And like, all I really knew about it is like, isn't this the one that's really self-indulgent? And uh, we'll get back to that. But um, I thought it's like, why is Ryan suggesting we do this M9 film instead of The Happening? And I, I didn't understand it at first. But then as soon as you start, it's like, Bam, Paul Giamatti. I'm like, well, that's a pretty good explanation. But by the time we got to the end, I understood it much more clearly why you picked this one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my history of M. Night Shyamalan in general, I haven't seen any of the Unbreakable movies, but I have seen Sixth Sense. I've seen Signs. I saw Signs when it came out. I've seen The Village. I didn't... Um, uh, we'll, we'll get back to the village. So I like Sixth Sense. I remember thinking Signs was okay, a bit silly at points, but I remember thinking it was good. But some people have told me over the years, it's like, William, that is a fucking stupid opinion. How dare you say Signs is even remotely watchable? It, aliens don't but have then, open doors. But then recently, recently, some people have come back to me and said, no, no, no Signs was misunderstood. It was actually 
great. It was fantastic. Is that so, the one where they're afraid of water? I don't know. Yes. And yeah, they, yeah, And they come yeah, to lay, conquer lay. Uh, a planet that's like covered so, in yeah. water. We'll get back to the doors and water. And there's so, a lot of water. Well, thank you. M Knight is someone you're familiar with. Do you, would you say I'm asked this of you because Bartek can't really answer? Would you say that you are a fan of his movies overall? Um, overall is that's a broad. That's broad. That's what about too broad. In any way, shape, or form, then I like the Sixth Sense. I haven't seen Signs since it came out. I remember thinking it was okay, ridiculous at some point. Mel Gibson. So, So my history with this film is I had not seen this film before doing it for the show. I have heard all about the film. It's the film that um, M. Night Shyamalan risked it all and lost it all, is kind of my understanding. This is the film in which the world finally had the strong opinion of we do not like M. Night Shyamalan and his movies no more. Because the village kind of was divisive, and then this movie was very... Much like M. Night was like, oh, no, 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 you're, you're, you're toppling over that cliff's edge. I'll fucking push you. Lion King it. Long live the king of cinema. Me. And just, and where the audience being flung off. But instead of the original animated Lion King, it's the new one where he punches us <laughs> with his lion paw. So, so and we flail with realistic lion animation. And it's hilarious. And well, then Simba goes, no. And then, and then Simba's mouth opens like a marionette doll. And it zooms out, and it's supposed to be dramatic. So with M. Night, his whole deal was, like, The Sixth Sense came out, everyone thought he was the next big thing, and then it's... They, they compared him to the next Steven Spielberg. And then slowly the his Spielberg. reputation just fell. Uh, yeah, I would say so. Slow descent into ego madness. But my history with him as a filmmaker is, I love Unbreakable. I think it's one of the best films of that decade. I think it's got... Probably Bruce Willis's best performance and also one of Samuel L. Jackson's best performances. I love that movie. The Sixth Sense is one I, I, I like too, but I it's one of those ones where it's like, you don't need to watch it that much. Like, once you've kind of watched it a few times, it's kind of like, okay. It's an intricate puzzle piece, but, uh, you know, once you've kind of examined all of it, you, you go, okay, I can step back. And Signs is a movie that I remembered enjoying. I haven't watched it in a while, but I remember there was that one had a little bit of a kind of like... Eh, a bit there too were, sentimental. There were some questionable decisions in signs. It wasn't even that. It's more like this mushy sentimentality that kind of crept in, and you could tell that's when people started. He started be believing that he was Steven Spielberg because it was very Spielbergian in that way. While Unbreakable and Sixth Sense are really kind of cold, analytical, Kubrick-like movies. And then, sorry, which one's Unbreakable? You said Samuel Jackson's in it. Yeah, that's the movie where Bruce Willis survives a train accident miraculously, okay, and no, uh, I haven't seen that. Yeah. Sam Jackson comes in to kind of guide him through a journey. I won't say anymore. But um, and then the village. I hate the village. I've seen it two times, and uh, that's all I need to see of it. I find it really dull and boring and stupid, with great performances, but and visually beautiful, but really dumb. Then I skipped Lady in the Water. I've seen The Happening. I think it's hilarious. And I've, I've seen Avatar Last Airbender, and I think it's boring. I don't have much hatred for it, because it's just so boring. I remember on your birthday, someone suggested, like, oh, let's watch that. And we were all like, isn't that boring, though? It's boring. Yeah. And then I Split. Uh, I haven't seen The Visit, because I don't really like found footage. And then Split is all right, but then it tries to connect itself to Unbreakable. And then I haven't seen Glass. Because people said it wasn't very good. And I love Unbreakable so much 
that I just don't need to see glass because I know it will tarnish it in some way for me, or at least I don't want to feel bad about a movie I like from like it'd nearly be, twenty years it'd ago. Be broken. Um. So my history with him is like, yeah, I've seen his movies, but here's the thing: I do not hate the man. A lot of people hate this guy. I don't hate him. I feel sorry for him, and also I also feel relish in the fact that he's getting he got what he deserved with this movie in particular, Lady in the Water. He deserves so much of what he got because this is an ego vanity project to the highest nth degree. So of course he was going to get criticized for that. And he deserves it. But I think that he's still a great filmmaker with interesting and new original ideas. And from film perspective, filmmaking perspective, he knows what he's doing. I like how I didn't bring up After Earth, by the way. I was thinking to myself, like, wasn't that one of his? But Didn't see it. But that one's called The Vanity Project for someone else, isn't it? Yeah. I like the man. Wild West will. I like him in interviews, even. He knows film. Like, when you listen to commentary tracks, even for his bad movies, this guy knows how to make movies. But he he doesn't always know how to get his ego out of the way. And maybe also the problem is he he's one of those filmmakers who came up with a lot of ideas in one period of time and then over, like, ten years started to make with those ideas and now he's out of those ideas. Okay, I see. So Glass is, like, one of the first movies in a while that he made that was, like, it's connected to Unbreakable, but he didn't come up with the idea around the same time as Unbreakable, but Split, he did. So, so it's Ryan, like, what, okay, so he's running out of creative juices. What exactly do you mean when you say it's connected? Like, it's in the same universe? Yes. Or, okay, I see. Yes. Characters exist in the same universe. Okay, I see. And then Glass is, like, the third in this apparent trilogy of movies. Okay. Because characters from Unbreakable and characters from Split meet each other. So it's not thematic, they're literally in the same universe. Same universe. Okay. <laughs> so, we're skipping around it. Late in the water, guys. Let's, let's this deep is where we start. dive. What did we think of this movie? Bartek? It wasn't a good movie. There are elements of it that I can kind of respect, but overall, yeah, it's it's a very messy film. So a lot of lot of technical problems, some visual problems. Wow, that's some a some story to, issues. Yeah, nice to hear from you of all people. Now, I thought mm. you would have loved this. You're a big anime fan. This has real anime vibes. <laughs> I thought is, you would have loved this. When when I picked this, I thought, oh, Bartek's either gonna love this for the I'm... genuine reasons of sentimentality and its uh, aesthetic and and fantasy. Or for the shits and gigs. Again, it's fascinating, and there are a lot of things that I think could have worked if done better. Yeah? Yeah. Well... We'll get into it later, yeah. What about you? How do you feel about this movie? Did it's you? had a very... Uh, a strange feeling after this film. Like, I thought this was shockingly bad, mm. but I was just fascinated by what was going on i was so fascinated (laughs) it's really hard to explain like this feels strangely personal in a in a very masturbatory way well it's admittedly but story for his kids but (laughs) yeah so maybe not masturbatory no 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 he's still right about that feeling like i after i said to bartek after i watched it it's like i feel like i've been house sitting m night Shyamalan's house and it's like <laughs> about midnight and no one else is home and it's dark and i'm in this bloke's house and i don't know him and you're stuttering with fear 
Yeah. Oh yeah, I'm, I'm stuttering like Paul Giamatti, which is the fear, but I'm, I'm weirdly like it's it's awful. But I was a little, I was a little enwrapped. <laughs> I wish I, you know what I'm thinking too. We can add on to this even more. Will's alone in M Night Shyamalan's house. There's posters of his previous movies dimly lit as Will watches the TV in the darkness. Like the TV lights just like on in the background the static or like you see the lights flickering against the walls on these posters walls like starting with fear and in the background you hear very faintly what's on the tv is pinky in the brain <laughs> <laughs> and you just hear narf and he's like and Will's like ah, 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 i'm gonna order some korean food at night <laughs> and like all of this comes together and then he sees outside m night's got a pool and he's like, oh no! <laughs> like, oh no, a pool! Oh no. oh no! There's a lady there. What about you, Bartik? Do you agree with what Will says about this movie in terms of it's a fascinating catastrophe or fascinating mess? Do you think it's fascinating? Yeah, I'd, I'd say so, yeah. There's a lot of questionable things in there that fascinate me. Like, why would you do this? You mean put yourself in the movie? As the messiah. I mean, that's... That saves the world. <laughs> I mean, based on the whole self-masturbatory thing, that makes a lot of sense. But mm. I, I mean more, like, you know, logic with, oh, why'd you shoot it this way or something like that. Okay. Um, yeah, I guess it was kind of fascinating. Uh, again, I think there are elements of this film that could have worked if done better. I find I, this so interesting. I, I want further clarification. Can, I don't. Want, I need answers. I don't answers. want further clarification. I just want it done better. That's all. <laughs> oh, I do not want further Bar- clarification. Bartek is very much of. Oh, I, it's clarified to me one hundred percent. I just wish it wasn't by an insane person. Um, well, even if it's by him, just don't do it better. So here's the thing with me. I found this movie, of course, bad. Mm. <laughs> I mean, there's no ifs and or buts. Yeah. I was walking into it with low expectations, and they didn't meet them. They were a bit better than what I was expecting. I was expecting it to be worse, or so bad that it was funny. Funny. Yeah. Um, I was expecting that Paul Giamatti was going to be the saving grace of this movie, which we'll get into the whole Paul Giamatti discussion, but safe to say he is, but there's an asterisk next to that statement. What I found is that I was not fascinated like you, Will, and I was not wanting a better story of this for, like you, Bartek. I found myself... Better execution, but yeah. I don't even want that, because I can see how this could be better executed, and I still wouldn't like it. Um, I was bored out of my mind for a lot of it, and annoyed because the rules didn't make sense. And then when they did, they didn't make sense anymore because then they counteracted the rules. I found none of the characters enjoyable, even Paul Giamatti. Um, I found it really, really boring and condescending because when it's not being boring, it's being condescending with exposition. This is a movie written by a writer, and I hate that. I hate the feeling of me, the audience, having the fish hook in my mouth and being dragged out of the water to to be told, like, you know, you're out here now in my world. I'm the writer, and this is how things are going to work. I want to be engrossed into the narrative, and I couldn't. As soon as the movie opened up with the narrator that never appears in the movie as a character or ever as a narration again, I knew we were going to be in rocky waters with this. I just knew this was going to be a rough watch. And it was, because it was so dull. I found it incredibly boring. 
it was a long watch and there were just points where I'd laugh at it because I was so bored. I was like, okay, enough. You're going to say enough 15 times in this one sentence? Like that was her name? Story? No, no. The the uh, Korean was a Korean neighbor woman who uh, gave exposition. Soon Young. Soon Young Choi. There was that Choi. one time where she just said like, "My grandmother told me the rest of the story, and here's how it goes." And she said the word "naf" like eighteen times in a very short span of time, and it was played with utmost sincerity. I found that funny, but. I was bored. I did not find this that fascinating. I did not want to see a better execution of this. I could see the story. Is it me or are children the worst? Because this film is in existence because M. Night told it as a bedtime story to his children. We have Shark Boy and Lava Girl, which is the exact same scenario Mm. with Robert Rodriguez. And we have Monster Trucks, where that movie was a four-year-old's like story or like make-believe jumble and the Hollywood executive made into a movie and got himself fired. Is it me or children the fucking worst thing to happen to, to credible movie makers? Because I can't think of any project where it was inspired by a children's... Children or parents. Thing. Children's bedtime stories, imagination jumbly mess as a feature-length movie that was actually good. The only thing I can think of is the comic book series and animated show Axe Cop. Is the only good one, and that's taking it as a comedy. I guess the quest- these are taking them as serious. <laughs> I guess what I'm imagining is like, what if the kids didn't like the story and they hear you saying this? Like, dude, we didn't fucking like it either. <laughs> yeah, yeah. There were bits in this where I said, "Yo, M Night, uh, like, this is awfully sexual for your kids' bedtime story." Like the bit where it's like, "Hey, story, could you like put on some any clothes in this movie?" Uh, like, you're not Eve from Adam and Eve. She's a nymph. She's a narf. I found this so boring and lifeless. And I didn't find it as technically incompetent as it seems like you did, Bartek. From a technical level, like, yeah, special effects aren't always that great. But they weren't so horrendous that they stood out any. There were just some effects that I go, there is, ah, you know, that's all right. There's but... a particular shot, reverse shot, that I found incredibly jarring. Which was? It was in the first scene with the Asian mother. Yeah. So there's a shot where uh, the frame shows the daughter on the right-hand side, just, you know, arms crossed, mm. looking at uh, Paul Giamatti, who was at the camera's perspective. Is this when the daughter randomly has a red mohawk for no fucking reason, and then it leaves there's the a, movie and there's a lot to s- There's a lot to say about that daughter, but no. And her, <laughs> next to her is her mother, who's got, like, a like arm on her... Yeah, on her a hip, sassy pose. Bit of a sassy pose. They say something, it cuts to Paul Giamatti, he asks a question, it cuts back, the daughter's in the exact same pose, the frame is the exact same, but the mother is suddenly missing. Oh, and right. And I fa- I, that jarred me for like five oh, whole seconds. Oh, this is seconds. when she went into the kitchen, right? And then the daughter, she's just standing there, two seconds later, she drags the mother back in the frame, and I thought, what the fuck was that? Oh, right, right, It took, right. It took me out of the film completely. All right. I thought, okay, interesting. But- I thought you were going to mention the random use of slow motion slash dropped frames when the scrunt's that's head the second, smashes That's the second and one. And, and I don't know what the hell oh. that was. And it was like halfway into the frame. Yeah, and it was like, not even slow motion, like dropped 
animation frame. Yeah, like, I don't yeah. know what happened there. Could you imagine if Endgame did that? <laughs> like, Thanos, <laughs> Thanos is like, I'm here. And he's like glitching like a 1995 yeah. video game. Yeah. And to be fair, those are the two major examples when I talk about technical. Guys, but, yeah. can I can I get clarification here? Because the, the version I watched when yeah. the, the scrunts... Yeah, yeah. Face smashes through the the door yeah. of the window. It's like that was sort of in slow motion, yeah, yeah. and then in my copy it was horrifically blurred. No, 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 that wasn't yeah. copy. It is like that. It is That's like that. Okay. They blurred it because they're trying to hide the special puppet, effects. I think, yeah. No, the effects. It, sorry, is it CGI or it's a, a CGI? Thing? It's, it's so, a CGI thing. It's so blurred. It was so blurred. They're blurring in the it bit to try and mask how bad it looks. But it was so blurred. That's why most of the scrunts' appearances, if all of them appear at night, like that's all, and in the rain. Like night and in the rain in the is grass. why yeah. you can hide special effects. Hence, Pacific Rim was always set at night in the rain. To be fair, they were hiding it half out of the frame. But yeah, yeah, yeah but you know, <laughs> uh, this movie, man, it was a movie at least. It had a three act structure. It had a character arc for Paul Giamatti. I think why I found this so boring too is. There's the possibility of this being quirky, Wes Anderson-type fun, where you're in this very beautiful location. I like the apartment complex. I, I thought it was too. cool. It's very expensive, so I, I hope you like I, it. I, <laughs> <laughs> I told you about You better that. fucking like it. They spent a lot of money. I like the idea of these quirky... They didn't get it back. These quirky characters being more than they seem or having a bigger purpose. Like, hey, I'm, I work out with one arm and I'm going to be the guardian at the end. Like, that's so stupid. Like, if the tone was less self-aggrandizing and serious and soapy and sentimental, it could have been really funny. Yeah. Like, if this was a Wes Anderson movie, people would love this. But what really dragged it down for me is how serious it takes itself. And that is emblematic in Bryce Dallas Howard's performance as story. I could not understand 80% of her lines because she whispered them to the point in which all I could hear were those lip smacks. Am I wrong? Dude, that was going to oh, be the it... next thing I bring up. The <laughs> sound, I, I, the sound in this film. Go. I didn't even think it was a sound. I think it was just how actors were, at least for me, how actors were told how to speak. That's, like, that's exactly what I mean by sound. <laughs> yeah. I thought, like, I just wanted to clarify. It's like, just yeah. the actors, not just the, the whole sound I was of telling, the movie. I was telling Will, do you remember in their first scene where she's sleeping in his lap and like he's yeah. like, all right, time to get up? Yeah. I found that line where he was like, all right, time to get up to be excellent simply because I could hear it. <laughs> because for the past three minutes, they were just whispering in hushed voices to each other and suddenly I could hear a line and it's like, oh, yeah. great, you have microphones. And here's the thing. I can understand the whispering from Paul Giamatti in certain sequences because his character is really nervous and, mm -hmm. and we're not meant to fully understand him. Like, even in that scene... I don't believe we were meant to fully understand what he was saying, but her performance is that for the whole movie. And, like, it's not even the whispering that gets me. Like, you can barely hear it. What I can't stand is all I can hear is from their lips, it's especially like, her lips. Very, Am I wrong? Very fish-like. Did you, did you hear that? Oh, like, Ryan. all I could hear was, like, Ryan. It's like, no, I don't want that. Ryan and Bartek and listening people. I'm Thank I'm you. gonna go even further. I'm gonna double down. This film M. daughters in general is very hard to hear. <laughs> like I was watching it on my computer with the headphones in. I had the volume on thirty. Now to put that in perspective, if I watched any other film on that computer with those headphones in, I would be fucking At deaf. 
at 30. <laughs> like most of the others, I on my computer with those headphones, I watch them on 10 or maybe 15 if they're a bit quiet. This, I had to have the subtitles on and had it on goddamn 30. <laughs> like, God, it's yeah. a hard film I to was... hear. <laughs> Yeah, I'm always between like 10 and 22. I was on 50 for this one. It was hard to hear. Yeah, it was insane. And like, I can understand it being soft and whatever, but make it so that your actors are articulating less with the lip smacking. Like, that's the thing that bugs bugs me, is just the constant sound instead of me being able to hear dialogue. Or even worse, even worse than lip smack is when... A character cannot be heard because they make this noise. If I can hear louder than their words, M. Night, tell them to speak louder. Like, like, tell them to speak much louder. Right? That's all I'm saying, M. Louder. There was one. Crank it up. <laughs> there was one moment that made me laugh because of the sound. It's like I think it was a scene with M. Night Shyamalan, um, story and M. Night Shyamalan's sister. It's like the best actress in the movie, by the way. <laughs> yes. That eye roll she gives. <laughs> glug, um, glug. So am I right? So M. Knight and Story are talking to each other in this really whispering voice. And then at the, the scene ends with her saying something normally and you can hear it. And the fact that it was louder than them just made me laugh. <laughs> it's like a reaction to something. See, that scene makes sense for why they're whispering because he doesn't want her, his sister to hear this whole thing. Oh, no, she was right next to him, though. So this was. Wait, wait, which scene is. I thought you were talking I about can't... the scene where he's like, Am I going to. No, 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 it's a different... That one's okay. I can't remember the exact context of the scene, but, like, he was kneeling down, it was, like, a side shot, his sister was next to him at the end, she, like, leans forward, looks towards him and goes, says something in reaction, and it's louder. Since we're talking about M. Night's character in the movie, aka Jesus, um, what did we think of that character and, um, the outer context of the fact that it's M. Night playing this Jesus messiah? May I go? Yes. I was just shocked at the sheer narcissism on display it's it, it's it's embarrassing it's 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 like walking in on something obscene it's <laughs> i just feel like i'm almost just speechless your house your house sitting for him while he's there just but the just the you got to give him an oscar sheer yeah Oscar for aggressive, best visceral autofellatio that's going on by M. Night Shyamalan in this film. It's shocking. He's cast himself as this uh, this genius martyr who's going to <laughs> sacrifice himself to change the world in a very vague and with undefined way with the cookbook. <laughs> I uh, just um, uh, people are not gonna like what's in it. They're gonna, they're gonna, the, the they're gonna people don't understand, understand him. him. They don't understand him. Bob and they will, they will kill understand. him. They will well, kill said him. Said that a president and a famous orator will be influenced by it. Yeah, but he's gonna die before then. He'll he be only see two of his nieces and nephew and or nephews I, out of the I seven. Was just, I was just, I could <sighs> barely even articulate my thoughts. I was just. I was, I was shocked, shocked, shocked. He got I'm more Jimmy sure. Stewart as he went along there. No, I'm just... Clarence, I'm shocked. Falling <laughs> <I was laughs> the bits, trying to rationalize. I'm like, I, I almost thought it's like, is there going to be some sort of twist to subvert what seems to be going on? Like it's or... his sister, but then that made him into... Here's the thing I, I was just, saying. Yeah, yeah, well, go, go, guys, I, I can't anymore. I was shocked too by the level of narcissism. I've never seen it that high in, a, in at least some time. I mean, you know, it's been a little while. I will say this. 
This is a divisive opinion, I guess, but I didn't think his performance was that bad. I thought it was going to be worse, especially with his performances in cameo roles in his other movies. Like, his performance in Signs is fucking terrible. <laughs> Can I just tell you something neat about Signs? There is some neat things about Signs. This is my quick review of Signs. Sorry, I don't even remember M. Signs M. Night's responsible for, the, for, for killing cameo. Mel Gibson's like uh, wife that's like the whole thesis of the movie is like uh, he's all upset about that and he's the town vet uh m night and he's a neat little thing in that movie mel gibson dog gets sick in the movie he takes it to the town doctor because he refuses to see m night's character because he's the guy who killed his wife and that's like a neat little thing that they don't point out they're just like here you go his performance in that is terrible. And this, I don't know. I didn't think it was that bad. I think it's just the fact that he is M. Night Shyamalan in this movie. And there are moments where you can tell he's not an actor. But I didn't find it as distractingly bad. Because he was on the same wavelength as every other person in this fucking movie. So I didn't find his performance itself distracting. But the meta-narrative of what he is doing in this movie, which is a big middle finger to the executives at Disney who said, you won't make it, and to film critics, apparently, and we'll get into the film critic discussion with Bob Balaban's character, but his big middle finger to the critical reception, which is very confusing because those other movies that he made were held up by the critics. So, I don't know. But I found his performance fine. I didn't find it hilariously bad mm. as it is in other movies so that's my opinion what about you Bartek to be honest kind of unremarkable like yeah it's funny that the director is playing this you know messianic figure but I you know I didn't really make a big deal out of it yeah he, he it's was, just a thing what did you think of his performance again it was, it was just you know a serene serious kind of delivery after he discovers that he's the writer yeah I thought his performance was just a little bit dull, but um. Did you I meet any other um, actor in this movie? Uh, <laughs> his sister will. So it was consistent, I guess. So <laughs> did you meet Jeffrey point. Wright's character, but, I mean, the, the I'm guy s- who was considered the symbol? I'm not sure if I can even objectively assess his performance because I was too busy just Bit like shock. just reeling and just like <laughs> my head's gagging, lolling around, my like, tongue's lolling around, my eyes are rolling back to my head. A young I'm just Bryce in awe of what he's doing to, to pull you out of that pool that you were drowning in. I'm drowning here. <laughs> I was drowning in the. Correct was, me if I'm wrong. Didn't he have he, more? Is he did, doing this? Didn't he have more of a character before he met? Yeah, that's story? the point. Like yeah. he was this self-centered kind of nerfy, arrogant so and so who's always jab making jabs and. A bit cynical. Then he meets her and he gets the tingles. Yeah. It's like how Paul was a different character before he met her too. Mm. She literally changes your character. That's her job. That's the So she's story. a writer? She's a story. I'm a writer. Oh, she's not the writer. She's the story. Yes. Can we talk about any positives things in this movie before? Because it's going to descend into just like this insane thing and this insane thing. But what were the positive aspects of this movie in terms of just, you know, narrative, character, basics? Well, you've already mentioned the location. I, I also really like the location. I think a, a hotel, or not a hotel, but an apartment complex is a really good setting for a story, especially one that is only set at one location. And is all a set. Yeah. yeah just like The Shining. Yeah, you can do a lot with that. You can uh, have a bunch of different characters that maybe don't all get along together in one place without it, you know, being weird. Uh, it's a good place to set like mystery stories. There's a mm. lot of good things you can do with it, and I'm glad that at the very least the film had that going for it. 
Um, <laughs> your that face says there's nothing else. There's nothing else, is there? It's ambitious. There was thought put into it again, execution. So was the Holocaust, but like mm. <laughs> that was ambitious too. Um, whoa, Ryan! I thought we were gonna go positives. I already compared what, it to Nazi what? Germany Holocaust. Oh, I listed one. What do you got? <laughs> I have a few, but I only wanted because you guys seem a lot like a, a little bit more like impassioned. I'll than say I, I was just kind of like. I'll it's say this: fine. I wasn't dreadfully bored or anything. I didn't like it. I thought there were dull bits, but there are at least a couple of things that stopped me. from See, being bored. I can tell this got under your skin in some way because last night we were talking on Facebook, and Barzai's usually pretty tight-lipped before that, but he just came out and was like, "What the hell are these things?" And just like asked questions, like, "What the? What am I supposed to get from this? What is that?" I was just, and I was just like, "Whoa, whoa, Bartek." This must have got to you. Huh? I was just basically asking, like, what are the terms in this film? This film has its own little glossary of terms. Will good things, positive things. Uh, what are you got? Positive things. Well, I can't. I can't comment on the the set and the, the ambition because those have already been covered. Um, I, I I like the idea of it being a a, a sort of a vague fantasy thing going on in a very mundane urban setting. Setting. Mm. Mm. Bit of an urban fantasy thing going on. Um. And I, I, can it be a positive thing with uh, with an asterisk? Sure. Um, I appreciate how sincere it was, <laughs> even if admittedly it's sincere and in a, in a it's a little sappy and a, just a no egotistical is a bit understating. This is this is just a rampant narcissism <laughs> thing, and I I don't want it to come across like I'm I'm ripping into M Night Shyamalan. I've, I'm rooting for the man. Like what you call it, but in this in yeah. this film in this film it's uh, oh whoa he's whoa is <laughs> is that all your positives? Going, is that all the positives you go? I guess a question I'll have. He's in his own head and he's loving it. I guess a question I'll direct to you, Ryan, is uh, so far in this episode you've mentioned that uh, the sister is the best actress and that Paul Giamatti is the saving grace. Oh, so, I, meant I was, I I meant was like Paul Giamatti. Was, I bet she was the best as in the fucking worst. <laughs> in addition, I, I always like seeing Paul Giamatti. She was the worst actress in this movie. Uh, okay, my positive... And th- there wasn't one, there was one uh, scene I like where he's, uh, he's going to get the key, get the magic mud to cure the poison. You mean the he's, he's, scene where he held his breath for like eight minutes? <laughs> yeah, he's doing the Olympics. <laughs> oh, right, yeah. Uh, swimmer thing, and the he's uh, get the little yeah. straw in the little pocket of air. Yeah, that was uh, cute. I enjoyed it. That was cute. Okay. Always enjoy seeing Paul Giamatti naked, you know, that's always my Shirtless, kind of thing. Shirtless, yeah, and wet. Yeah. Now, I'm pretty I... sure he was fully nude. I, I was checking pretty <laughs> thoroughly, Ryan. You're having mics. You're going to have to Ryan. replay the footage <laughs> yeah, there. Okay. Okay, here's my positives for this movie. I liked the music. I thought James Newton Howard did a really good score. It really elevated scenes that were not at all interesting. Um, I liked the cinematography for the most part. Like, in nighttime scenes, I at least could see what was on the screen. That's a good point, yeah. It had a really nice look to it that helped amplify the look of the apartment that we're getting into. I think that uh, I did enjoy, on a minute level, if it wasn't so pretentious and up its ass and serious, I did like some of the nuanced random character trait arc things. And it sounds wanky when I say this, but I did somewhat 
with an asterisk because it's still wanky, the fact that in the end, Paul Giamatti's character, who was a former doctor, is the healer. Because it's a nice payoff, and it's a nice, like, oh yeah, that makes sense. And also the fact that when he heals her, he's healing himself, and that kind of thing's neat, but it's still too late too little and it's still pretentious like you know what i'm saying like yeah. did you notice that like paul giamatti's character was a doctor and then in the end he's the healer oh neat yeah, like i, can, I, can I like it. his little arc in i like the arc in theory that he goes on but a lot of it is really dumb uh but that's i liked the look of the creatures I thought the scrunts looked alright. I thought the tattoo looked alright. I thought the great Eatlon looked alright. Like, I thought the designs and all that. And like I said, I didn't think the special effects were that terrible. There was one or two moments where they were like, oh, okay, like, like the slowdown scene is the worst. But like, okay, like, they're fine. They're unique designs. And I like Paul Giamatti, the man, but... The- and <laughs> <laughs> I like him as an actor, but and he is the saving grace of this movie, like you asked, like he is. But it's because he's the only character that we get a lot of time with, and through that virtue alone, he's the one I like the most because I understand him the most. I don't know who Story is. It comes a point where she's like, the other nafs, <laughs> the other nafs make fun of me. Because I'm clumsy. And I just said to myself out loud, how am I supposed to know that? Because at no point in this movie has she demonstrated any clumsy behavior. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, a lot of times she's just sitting in the shower. Wouldn't it have been neat if maybe when Paul Giamatti woke up, she tried to get him something and she like knocked over a bunch of stuff and he being like Paul Giamatti, very controlling like he's always on top of things he's like no no no, don't touch that and he's a bit overbearing like you have a dynamic there she's a bit of a clumsy childlike whimsy nymph character and he's like a stern serious like neurotic neurotic ocd guy but instead they decide no they're gonna get on straight from the beginning and they're gonna be perfectly on each other's wavelength and (laughs) And she's not gonna move and she's not gonna move much and she's gonna get blonder and paler throughout the movie until it looks like she's dying from, like, the fucking plague or something. Yeah, the last scene, yeah. I like Paul Giamatti. Let's get into the Paul discussion. What did okay. we think of Paul Giamatti? Bartek? For a guy whose voice we always think of being the kind of, eh, kind of thing. It's me, Paul Giamatti. <laughs> <laughs> this, film, this film was very much the antithesis to that uh, identity. Bug. Mm. <laughs> That's the one I think of the most. Bug. But if I, oh no, you go Ryan. I was going to say to further deep dive into to what you said, Bartek. I I totally agree. It's with what we've seen of Paul Giamatti and what we perceive of him from our views. He's this high energy, very cartoony, raw kind of like aggressive or very like hyperbolic type of performer and in this he's stripped away of all of that so it was quite a throw like i've seen him do this in other things but it was you get thrown off because you're waiting for like how people talk about that nick cage freak out moment that you see in nick cage movies where you're like you're waiting for that i was waiting for the paul giamatti moment and 
we didn't get it. Yeah, but even like I think, and I don't think we needed it, but I, I would have yeah, liked yeah. it. <laughs> but even with like, I, th- I think of like you know Thunderpants and like two other things, like I don't know his minor role in the Truman Show. Like even when he's playing just more you meek, know, meek or you know. S- Subdued. Karma guy, you can still kind of hear that uh, kind of thing in his yeah. voice. In this one, though, you didn't really hear that even. Is it because he was stuttering and whispering He's a lot? Stuttering, low voice, yeah. Which is good. Like what yeah. we're saying is, this is a side that we're we're not as familiar with, and it was unique and different. But did you like his character and the performance overall? Oh, I could say I did. Yeah. 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 I'm not. I'm not passionate about it. Would you say it's a saving grace in the movie, like most people do? Like the one thing I knew about this movie was, it's bad, but Paul Giamatti's good in it. Do you believe that standpoint? If I had to pick a best actor in the film, I think I'd go with him because he's very consistent. He he has a character. He has, like you said, an arc. So, yeah, I guess by a process of elimination thing. Thanks, Sherlock. <laughs> <laughs> I love how I ask you a simple question. You're like, let me deduce this with my colleague Watson over here through deduction of elimination. The answer is yes. <laughs> I thought, I thought, yeah, like, he's consistent. But, like, is it because we say this because he's the only character that we spend time with? That he is, by, by in a way, the best performance in the movie. Do you think it's an accurate way to look at it? That since we spend time with him a lot, that means he is the best performer in this movie? Because I think about it and I go, yes, he is. But also, I thought Bob Balaban was equally as good. But he had a short amount of time as the snooty film critic. Yeah, I was going to say him too. But we get less time with him, and of course, M. Night has an agenda with that character, which I know is humorous, but it's supposed to be funny, but like, come on. I like that character, and I think he did a, you know, just fine, but again, it's it's one note. Paul's doing one to two notes, which is... Like you said, two notes, so... <laughs> oh. uh, Will? Um, You're a big Paul fan. I I am. I'm the I'm the fucking head of the Paul Giamatti fan club. It's it's just me. You're but, you're part you know, of the Giamatti. And as many of you uh, listening people want to join, you know, uh, hit us up. <laughs> um, but uh, oh yeah, no, it's like yeah, no, it was a good performance. I guess there's there's a little trepidation there. Did, it's like, did you like Cleveland Heap? See, the thing about his name. It means cliffside. It means cliffside. <laughs> That's um, what she says. What, yeah. what does narf mean? Because there was a real... Well, no, no, no. We'll, we'll, we'll get to that. Well, narf means... Ah. Uh, <laughs> narf. Um, well, this was produced by Warner Brothers, right? They, yeah. And they made Pinky in the Brain, so... Um, Cleveland TV, the name is just like... That sounds like the name that a, a, a prick would have in a movie. Like, it seems like a, like an arsehole character would have the name Cleveland Heap. Yeah, but but no, no. Paul's very. I mean, when I Paul's think of Cleveland, a I think very of Family Guys. Thank so. a very sincere. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm really thinking like Heap. You know, it's a really sort of like you know, you're yeah, heaping it on mounding there. sort of rotten sort well, of stuff. Kinda, compost. But, he you know. kind of isn't that great of a guy to begin yeah, with. But yeah. also, he's not evil. Like he's fine. Um, Bit of a check with a Hannah Gold sort of thing going on. You know what? Uh, so I. I think maybe it was a good performance. I, I feel I feel very confused watching this film. I feel confused too because I love Paul and I come it's in hard to get with, my bearings. with my bias and us on our show, Paul's become like this entity of his own where we worship him because he was in our first movie that we covered on the show. Then he was by happenstance in the second one. 
and then we leave him for special occasions and and you know we choose which ones specifically for what specific reasons and it's become this big thing but i'm not a hundred percent convinced that this was as great of a performance as most people tend to think it is because it's only great because we get it a lot I feel like this movie doesn't really do justice to his performance because, like, either because his character is ruined for me when we have story tell him, aka us, his backstory, which is an interesting thing you could explore in a better movie. But instead, mm-hmm. it's just kind of like, hey, audience, this is why he's like this in just one scene, and it's so poorly done and that was like my I, least I favorite like scene that. in the movie i didn't like that i hated it i thought like could we not have done this in a more and here's the thing usually m night does a really good job in his movies like what i said with signs or, or unbreakable or sixth sense of this feeling of uh sorrow and loss and grief and he's really good he was at least really good at having a scene in which a character discusses with another character that theme in this, he just, it's like a Cliff's Note version of it. Like, yeah, we're just, this is like, if you read this on Spark's Note or whatever, like, this is the character beat of why Paul Giamatti's like that. But then when you actually watch it, oh, it's exactly like how it was written. Like, like it's just a gloss over of what could be such an important and interesting character thing. And not only that, but it could have been a really interesting scene in which we got to know story as well by her perspective, her childlike whimsy perspective on on loss and grief and this view of the human world. But instead, it's just kind of like, hey, audience, do you get it? This is the reason why our character is this way. And now you know we can proceed forward to this scene. Mm. It's like, hey, this movie has a lot of tacked on things. It feels like M. Night couldn't connect things. And he, and he was like, shit, how can I connect this? I know. We'll have a scene in which... Paul has to go underwater to get this, I don't know, magical mud. The key, the magic mud. The key, the magic mud. The key. I would not have been able to pick. Like, I wouldn't have known that that giant rock with several other rocks sticking out of it would have been been the magic (laughs) mud. mud But I found that incredibly frustrating. So I'm not even one over about Paul Giamatti's performance. This is coming from someone who loves Paul Giamatti. And of course, I got laughs out of his performance, genuine ones and, and, you know, disingenuous ones. The stutter did become funny. I don't know about you guys, but it was funny. Can I just ask, what did you blokes reckon about the stutter? Did you think it was a bit cartoonish? I think at points it was. I think at points M. Night could have said, pull it back a bit. That's kind of it. What about you, bud? I thought it got old, actually. Well, they do that trick of him removing it when he's with her, but yeah. I, I wish that was consistent, though, because I by a certain point, it's like, okay, he's stuttering again, let's just move on. I think I, I, I could make an argument for why that is there, but like for you, mm. it got old. For me, I just think at certain points, they could have pulled it back because actors, you know, we're actors, you want to bite into these kind of things, and Paul yeah. is a very energetic type of performer in which he says Thunderpants is one of his favourite movies that he's ever done so you can understand why someone like him would really want to be like yeah I get to play a character with a stutter but I wish M. Night could have just said okay Paul take it down to take it down to four for this take yeah it's valid I mean like if your character's gonna have a stutter how often do you want him to stutter and I guess that was a bit spread out my question for you do you think that this was his character had a natural stutter or do you think that this is a psychosomatic stutter from the loss of his family 
Uh, the latter. I that's think the latter. That's, yeah. that's what I went with. Yeah, I, I thought the psychosomatic kind of feel because you know, like, I don't know, like the film. I'm happy that the film doesn't outright say that. Like, it doesn't give you an answer. Just like you sit there going, "Could that be the case? Maybe." Like, there's no point where story goes. And you wrote here that you started stuttering ever since that day where that mysterious <laughs> man came into. Was that mysterious man the same one that fucked over Tim Robbins' life in Shawshank Redemption? Like that's all I can think of, you know. Like this, <laughs> like I did not like this movie. People do like this movie. That's confusing, but I can understand it a little bit. Like there's something innocent here. Like yes, it's incredibly narcissistic. I know that, but there's also like a. There is that childlike whimsy of, like, I'm making a film for my kids. And I hope that they enjoy this. But the problem is, M. Night, I'm not your kid. I'm not here to, to, to see my dad make a feature-length project for me. I'm here because I'm reviewing it, I'm watching it, I, and I'm just here watching it. Now, we talked about the critic character, Bob Balaban. We liked his performance, it seemed. He was yeah. comedic character. Mm-hmm. What did we think of that character and how he takes place in the narrative? And also the, you know, the outside reasoning as to why that character is there. Uh, I'll go first. Um, I'll I, I felt he was... I'll go first. Fuck you, Bartek. <laughs> My opinion there. I haven't said yet. Or fight, no. fight, fight, there fight, fight. Um, I mean, I felt his performance was fine. I felt he was funny and all, but... He's he's a he's a he's another little cog in this in this great big meta narrative of how much of a fucking genius M Night Shyamalan is, <laughs> and all the critics, especially you, Ryan, are just fucking wrong, and you don't understand anything. And how dare you? How fucking dare you assume you know another human being's intentions? You piece of how fucking dare you but I felt the character was fine it's just I, I didn't need it to be I didn't need him to be contributing to the smarminess so, of no, it all before we delve further into that rant did you understand and or appreciate the fact that M. Night was trying to make this whole character a, a comedic takedown not just like a uh, like a honest takedown but there was a level of him saying like him obviously making this a, a, like a comedic jab at the critics like yeah, yeah did you find any of that in there yeah no there was still definitely some playful elements to it i really liked it's probably my favorite moment in the movie where bob balaban's going the whole spiel of like why do couples when they reunite kiss in the rain like just stand in the rain no one does that and then paul giamatti gives like the what is that? obviously m night's answer where it's like it's a symbolism rebirth, or rebirth or whatever and he's like no it's not <laughs> like, <laughs> when he said that no line i'm like that's i bet ryan loves that line because i love that delivery and I, I kept thinking of his character in seinfeld um it, it breaks the whole yes and thing so yeah no. it's funny it was enjoyable i, I, I like the funny character i agree with you will like i can see the comedy there but what really pissed me off is it doesn't even work when they do that line where it's like, who would judge a person, blah, blah, blah. I flash back to what was it like from Bob Balaban's character's perspective? Here he is. He's just woken up from being knocked on the door by Paul Giamatti. And Paul Giamatti asks him uh, a hypothetical question about the theory of film analysis and narrative. 
he answers that question not knowing that Paul Giamatti means it for real life. Like, Paul Giamatti structures it in this way where it's esoteric enough for us, the audience, and him to understand that he's talking about real world, but for Bob Balaban not to understand that. And then later, they have the sister or whoever it is be like, who would assume such a thing, blah, blah, blah. And it's the film saying, yeah, how fucking rude of that character to answer Paul Giamatti's question <laughs> yeah, like that. that. And all I could kept saying was, no, 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 no. See, that's the biggest thing. I hate when a movie does a character betrayal like that. Like, it's a character assassination. Like, we already understood that this character was an asshole. But maybe you could have done that better. Maybe that could have been better explored. Maybe if you made it more overt like that. But in the end, all it is is a not just a fuck you to critics, which is fine. Like, that's petty and whatever you're doing in comedy. What I really hated was, yes, that character's an antagonistic character. But it was a fuck you to that character that I do not believe was justified. It was not warranted. It wasn't as funny as you think it is. And... It was just a betrayal, and I felt really annoyed because... It was disingenuous. It was disingenuous. I liked that character for the comedic purposes of what he was, and I feel like that moment, it really... I just disengaged from anything from the movie at that point. I was already losing it, but it was like, I just can't trust this. And, like, his death scene is hilarious for a multitude of reasons, some genuine, some not. But all I could kept saying was, this is the film condemning a character because Paul Giamatti asked him a hypothetical question and he didn't know it was hypothetical. Uh, that's the thing I'm pissed off about. It's not that great of a sin. It's, <laughs> it's like, not a bad... If Bartek came up to me and asked me similar things, I was like, oh yeah, well, I've watched a lot of movies, Bartek. Here's what happens, blah, blah, blah. And then Bartek did that in real life and he, and he got injured or something. I'm not going to get taken to fucking court for that. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, that I fucking hated it. And Ryan, you said if there's no place like... You said that if I say there's no place like home, I would have gotten beaten up. I got beaten up. And the fact is, too, we meet Bob Balaban at the beginning. Like, he's our point of view-ish character from the beginning. Like, he's getting introduced to the thing. And then they don't do anything with him. And yeah, then they just do it's, that. It's and a very that's in, it. It's a very introductory sequence. It almost implies that these guys are going to be... You know, as close-knit as, say, um, the two guys from Reanimator. I also really like the little touch of he isn't even writing anymore, and it's kind of like this disgrace kind of thing that he's brought out to this location to do his work. Like, it seems like he is a hack anyway, and the way he understands movies and prejudges them, we already got it. You nailed it with that. But then he had to lay it on even thicker and thicker and thicker until it broke the film's back for me. Like, that's the thing that broke it for me. I was just like, yes, you could have your wanky narfs and smoosh smoosh and boong bongs and whatever. And you can put yourself in the movie and make yourself the Jesus figure. And then you can have Paul Giamatti, uh, like, have a weird sexual tension relationship with a girl that looks like she's 11 years old. For some reason, all those things are fine. But once you start doing character assassinations for no reason other than to say fuck you to the critics that didn't like The Village, the one movie that critics were a bit sniffier on, you lose me. I'm lost. I'm just like, I can't be bothered with you anymore. And that's when the movie just, it, it, I just went, no more. I just, I watched it, but I watched it at that point purely for the sake of, I've just got to get through it now. Usually with movies I don't like, I would still have that thing of, well, I'm curious to see how this wraps up or like, you know, something rather. At that point, I just was like, you know what? 
I'm just watching this to see the duration of it end now. That's all I had. Like, it really drained me of any slight comedic enthusiasm. Because also, he's the comedy character, and once he leaves, there's no more comedy in the movie. Hmm. Oh, they think there is, but there isn't. Yeah, I, I mostly agree. I I thought he was probably the funniest character in the film just because he's playing it so serious. Like, this kind of dull seriousness. I like that awkward conversation he had with one of those guys from that apartment where they smoke their cigarettes and he's just, like, introducing himself and it's, like, really weird. I don't know why. I thought that was hilarious. Um, Let's get into the mythology. Mm-hmm. Bartek, like I mentioned before, was confused. He needed some clarification. He needed to follow a glossary. No, no, no. I'm the one that didn't need clarification. Oh, I thought you were, like... What were these things? It's because I could because of the whole issue of me not being able to hear everything. There were some terms that when I looked it up afterwards, I'm like, oh, I didn't even hear these terms. Oh, okay. So like you, I knew you... I knew of the things that they described, but I didn't know that. Like when I was reading about Tartutic, I'm like, when was that ever said? I knew of the creature, but I didn't know the term. This movie falls into magical realism and/or fantasy. I kind of mentioned before that uh, Bartek, I thought you might like it because it has some anime vibes. So obviously this gets a lot of influence from uh, kind of Asian mythology, from my understanding, like some minor influences. Like I know this yeah. is a lot of, he I read, made it up, but yeah, like he has yeah. obviously, you know, Asian characters coming in and explaining that this is this and this, this, I know that. But I thought like, you know, Bart's like, you're a bit more into, to, uh, you know, Asian storytelling and cultural stuff and that more than myself. So I thought maybe you could get... Did I pick an Asian film for next week? I don't know. <laughs> And then, yeah, but you know, you in your spare time, you watch a lot yeah, of yeah, yeah. that kind of stuff. So, and you like Bollywood movies, and you like this, 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 and that, and that, and that. So, I thought maybe you would like the mythology stuff behind this more than anyone here. Did uh, that, you? That that falls under what I was saying earlier about I appreciated its ambition because it did have, you know, this whole thing thought out. It did have all these terms, but the presentation just made it very. I guess tricky to follow but at the same time you kind of just get what's going on by watching the film because some of the key things they keep repeating like they have yeah. a they have a term for the the eagle but they just called the eagle throughout the whole film and then they I called think. the great eatlon at the end and you're like yeah. oh yeah that's his name right and that's, that's once before that's another one that i didn't remember hearing in the film until i read about it afterwards are you a big fan of this like of fantasy in general, as a genre. Yeah, I think we've talked about this before. I am more into fantasy yeah. than like sci-fi and stuff like that. Oh, I'm the other way around. I like yeah. the sci-fi. I'm not really big into fantasy. So this mythology thing didn't work for me either. Like it, it was, again, the movie didn't follow its rules that it set up. There was this point where I realized, wait, 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 wait. How many scrunts are there? And then I realized, oh, there's just one? I thought there were more than one. I thought it was like, yeah, all the scrunts will attack, but then it was like... I think it's a species, but in the film, there's only one as the antagonist. I couldn't remember if the first time she got attacked, it was implied that there was more than one, and then when she got attacked the second time, it was just the one who was rebelling against the, the sacred nature laws. And it's like, you know, for this one night, you, you don't do that for some reason. But then, like, it doesn't... The monkeys don't allow it. The monkeys don't allow it for that one night, except they do. And then... The other nights that the movie takes place on, they're still treating it like it's that same kind of atmosphere of, like, that scrunt's breaking all the rules. And you're like, but the night's over. So, no, it's not? It's fair game again? Like, you know what I'm saying? Like, there was that moment where I was like, 
why is it now? Like, they're like, that's impossible. Scrunts aren't allowed to break the natural laws. I'm like, why? Aren't they just animals? How sentient are the scrunts? Like, how aware are they? Like, it treats it like they're both just a wild animal and also someone who can understand the idea of law and justice. Um, <laughs> like, like it was there for when the Tartutics wrote uh, the First Amendment for their blue world, and they're like, yeah, it's just I agree. I'm a scrunt. I totally am down for law. Um, I, I think, I think, well, law doesn't always just mean, like, you know, courts and... No, I know, like, yeah. I know the that, rules but, but the of way nature. They, they describe it where yeah. it's like, it feels like, yes, they of course abide by the order of justice and all this. Is like, yeah, the justice stuff, that's leading a lot more to, like, court-like things. <laughs> well, their um, justice is Judge Dredd-type justice, but they're, they're the Judge Dredd executioner. I, I don't know if this is, this might just be me just losing my marbles here, guys. Like, this might be just me, ago. just gone, You're just gone. gone. But it's like I, I thought that scrunt was completely sapient. I thought that was a human level intellect right there. Oh, you did. I, I don't know if I'm just a fucking lunatic no, or a you're fucking probably right. idiot. But I was like never under the pressure. So, oh no, that's that's not a that's not a wild animal. Did, they might not use technology or have opposable funds. But I'm like that's clearly a sapient animal. Was, uh, do you think it was still like a really smart, sentient animal, uh, humanoid like level of intelligence when it smashed its head through the glass door? I'm like, Rawr! yes, because M. Night Shyamalan has already established that intelligent intergalactic species have trouble with doors. That's true. He did do that with science. <laughs> so it's consistent. I got really annoyed when at the end when it's, it's trying like one to... one of the only things when, that's fucking consistent. I got consistent. annoyed when after it killed the critic, it tried to get out the door that has like a big glass panel, but it spends like five, ten minutes on just the, the handle, the lock. And I'm like, <laughs> we already know that you can smash through glass. Like, I don't know what you're... I could hear someone going... Uh, actually, Ryan, it was not trying to give away its location, because if it did, they could run away. Then why, when it left the door, it roared and then slowly ran towards them anyway? Answer me that, M. Night fans. Uh, one thing, I think one, I think this is like, this is like one of the biggest problems with the film. There is a lot of this mythology to keep track of. There are a lot of little twee terms you've got to remember. <laughs> and I feel like we were getting new rules introduced. Every second. Like almost, like consist throughout the entire runtime of the film, basically up to the end. Because of her... I feel we're getting so many rules and so many new rules. It's, it's hard to keep track of. Because of her whispering, I could not understand some of the rules like you, Bartek. But get this. I did not understand until this morning before you guys came when I was talking to my wife that the reason that they were doing that fucking children's game of like, hold your ear when it's a yes is because the natural laws won't allow Madame Naf to talk about these things anymore. And I'm like, why could she talk about him before? Because she wasn't a Madame Naf at that point. But now that she's a Madame Naf, she's not allowed to talk about it. And I'm like, mm. when did she become that? When she got the key. Oh, like, like I didn't know that, but apparently it's there. I just couldn't hear it under. And that's like this. Just I'm the daughter of Ron Howard. My career is because I'm a daughter of a family of Hollywood people. I guess on the. <laughs> 
I guess on the topic of including new rules, like we do learn that uh, the four people they <laughs> need are the, the the healer, the symbolist, the guild, and the guardian. Yes. Um, and yeah, that's four. It's, it's not three, but it's a fairly round number. But then yeah. really late in, they introduce two more, which are the, the man whose opinion is greatly respected and the man with no secrets. Yeah. There's another one too, the... the seven sisters. Oh, they're the guild. They're the, the guild. Oh, sorry, the they're guild. the guild. Sorry. Yeah. Um, it's hard to. I'm sorry. It's hard to keep it's, track. It's of. like yeah, they introduce new things, but they also reinterpret They're the too. law that they've already established. And also, one of the things that I, partway through the film, that I was appreciating was that um, you know, we meet all the characters early on, and this is going to be the cast that everything revolves around. All the twists are going to be with these characters. And I was thinking, oh, it's cool that like there are some red herrings. Like some characters were never suspected to be anything but then by the end every character is either something or was thought to be something at some it was point. all red herrings until it wasn't that's the annoying thing like each yes but they're all one was like wrong yeah they were wrong it's not except that... for the writer who's not a part of that it's a yeah. part of something else yeah so critics put... were yeah. fucking wrong those yeah, I, I idiots yeah i wish there were some people that were neither suspected or something by the you end you know what i would have loved if they were wrong about ebb knight being the messiah writer and it was actually the critic and he had died <laughs> And they're like, fuck. I'll, I'll give the, <laughs> and and yeah. his gift to the world was writing a scathing negative review of a beloved movie of the future generations. Like, like it would be like when Roger Ebert gave a negative review to, like, you know, Blue Velvet, and we look back and you're like, you idiot. Or, like, <laughs> or when, what was it? The Shining, right? Where it was like decades later, he oh, yeah, came yeah, back. Yeah. Like, uh, that's what it would be, but instead he died and didn't get to come back. So history looks he forever onwards. It's like get that to... moment when we were wrong about the greatest film ever made. <laughs> he never got to review the cookbook film adaptation. You mean Eat, Pray, Love? <laughs> um, yeah, when I was giving that opinion to Will, he did mention, like, what about the critic? And I thought, oh, yeah. But then I remembered, and relating to the betrayal scene you were saying, Ryan, at first I was getting a bit worried with that because, yes, not only were they betraying his character there, I thought that they were giving him this, like, antichrist role that was... The Judas to... type of role. Yeah, like, 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 like this was actually meant to be part of the mythology, and I'm like, oh, come on, don't do that. But then they didn't. Didn't but, do that, But yeah. it sounded like they did. Like, someone led you astray, the person that led you astray. Was... But that, that's just because he hates that character. Out yeah. Because he made it so it looked like he was the character... What was his role? The one who knew things? The man who is whose opinion is greatly respected? He was the red herring for that. Because we were supposed to know it was that character that had appeared in one other scene who didn't say anything. That was always watching war. Yeah, with his TV. I mean, his door open. Yeah, yeah we should have known it was him. Ryan, you Idiot. silly person. If you just listened to oh, the hang on, ocean, sorry, the... there would be no more war. Sorry, the Asian mother. She wasn't anything, was she? She just knew no, the story. No, she just knew the story. Yeah. Okay, there you go. Um, Point disproven. I'm wrong. No, but she did factor in because yeah. she gave life so that her lineage can be a part of the guild. Oh, that's because... a good point. Yeah, yeah. So in the end, she did serve a purpose. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, her daughter's introduction scene you mean her ass oh before her we, wait before we move on to the ass to continue on the mythology you want to talk about i understand <laughs> i understand that we were going for a, a very fae sort of fairy tale logic mm. but uh, uh, there it was too much of it there's there's too it's just i feel like we needed get it like simple streamline it a bit Get it done in the fast. Maybe expand in the in the first half. Get it expand on it a bit in the middle, and then have your twist at the end. 
but instead it's just a continuous stream of of a vague sort of like change in the rules you know like when you you were playing with your friends on the playground <laughs> you're playing stupid games yeah. you've got like little connector guns you've made the connector texture guns yeah yeah, yeah. and people are just making up bullshit rules that's every M9. five minutes oh, yeah, i've got i've got armor that's invincible to that thing you just said yeah yeah, yeah. So, yeah. so you're saying that this was made basically for children to go to bed to yeah uh, <laughs> Here's one more thing I'll say about the mythology aspect. That I mean, so it, The Hobbit was made as bedtime stories. That's a lot more consistent. Yeah, but he also made it as a World War One analogy too. But um, here's, here's another thing. That I'll, had sapien wolves as well. I'll say about the, the, the mythos. The Hobbit, really not, pissed, not World War One. <laughs> that really pissed me off. And that will tie into more discussions of these quirky characters. Is I hated... That at the end, because it's the tone that I said before, the guardian is just that guy who worked out one arm, and then he didn't even use his one arm. I thought the one arm was gonna be a factor into his like trump card, yeah. his trump card. Like when he looked away from the scrunt and he looked back, I thought it was gonna jump at him, and he was just gonna clock it one with his with his massive arm, and then it would knock it out. And then the Tartutic would grab it, but instead it's just like it just stops, and then Tartutic grabs it, and you're like, oh. Okay. I guess the eye, the eyesight thing is the only thing that mattered. But it would have been better maybe if, if the joke for him instead of working out one arm is he's always wearing like a monocle or like oh <laughs> yeah. who knows like I don't know but it was so boring. What happens if he was blind? Would it work still? Yeah. Is it the sight or is it just the eyes aiming? Exactly. Like who knows? Who knows? So but... you want more clarification? Do you think? You <laughs> no. Think it, you think it could have been like that situation where you know people live in rural India they wear the masks on the back of their head because you know tigers are very reluctant to attack you if they if you're looking yeah, yeah. at them that's that's exactly what so M. Night was saying so should every character have like been wearing halloween masks on every side of if their this was a uh, halloween face? no it's that's, that's something that's, that, that this could have done being set at a halloween time can you imagine this like fairy mystical horror fantasy kids movie and it has that just that haze of that halloweeny aesthetic that could have been so beneficial to this movie as well, giving it a little bit of something. Could have given it some more visual interesting. But stuff, also yeah. give leaning into more of that, uh, you know, that horror aspect that it does play with. That you know, and then then when Bob Balaban's like, "Oh, it's a horror movie," blah blah blah. It could be even better. Like instead, it's just like, okay. Yeah, I remember when I was like twenty five minutes of the way through, my mum walked into the room and said something to me. I'm like, "Oh yeah, I'm just watching this film," <laughs> and I told her the title, and she didn't know the film, but she's like, "That's a horror film, right?" And I. Didn't really know how to respond to it because by that point I'd only seen the scrunt once, and I'm like, I mean, it was it was <laughs> scaring. The... Can we just ad- analyze that statement? By that time, I'd only seen the scrunt once. Is a thing that you have said as an adult man. Thanks, M Knight. When Bartek and I were on the bus down here and we we're having our little discussion on the film, I said scrunt. Oh, right, a significant amount of time, and there was this bloke on the bus. Who every time I said scrunt was just looking back as if I was a and, complete madman. Yeah. I don't and, and I don't know if he thought I was saying cunt or if he thought I was just deranged and Will, or both. Will was just looking forward the whole time, but I had to look towards him and the guy was in my eyesight. So every time he looked at me, I got a bit insecure. Like what what are you, what, what are you reacting to, man? So Do you know the film? This is such a great film because we get introduced to a major character via. Her, oh wait, wait! Her, before her, her we move bottom. on the ass, I want oh, to. Oh, sorry, you want to be. Will I does wanna, not want to talk wanna... about this character, right? We will get to the ass, listening people. But first, I just want to go back to Bartek's point, 
with um in the scene where um uh, Paul Giamatti Cleveland still thinks he's the guardian, and he goes to confront the scrunt with the mirror. I agree with Bart. I, I didn't even I mention that with scene. Bartek. But sure. I thought during that bit, oh, his, his guardian powers aren't working because the critic is some sort of yet unmentioned figure, but like negative. Yeah, yeah. He's, mm. he's got the powers, but you know the, he's the a bad ones because he shows up in that scene. It would have been yeah, he does. He's he's there randomly cut, and it turns out scene. he accidentally saves oh, him. Right. But yeah, I actually yeah. thought, I actually thought he was some sort of uh, scrunt empowering man. <laughs> he was. A I don't scrunt know what his power is. He was just there to say, "What is this?" What is this Legend of Frosty the Snowman? Do you think what that would have been? You think that would have been great if at some point the the critics the, the, the sc- critic <laughs> he's the scrunt you know his, his 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 skin like crawls back and like a great big scrunt crawls out of his mouth. No, or no, something. a great big Roger Ebert crawls out of his <laughs> mouth. And he goes, "I give the village a thumbs down." <laughs> the scritic. He, he plays, should have been the scritic. He's a scrunt he? critic who plays Skrillex. <laughs> Um, so we meet a character that's very essential yeah, to the movie. Yeah, go with the arse now, it's fine. Via her bottom. I'll allow it. And her back. And yeah. her back, but mainly her bottom. The key thing is this scene Did it's... this scene inspire Michael Bay's Transformers 3, the revenge of the moon that's on the dark side or whatever it's called? Dark of the moon, I think. Sure. I, that's the only Transformers movie I have seen, by the way. Because there's a scene the where you meet a character via her ass, and this is very similar. Like, did this inspire, maybe? It was it was very strange because this was a long shot and it was just her back this whole time. You never see her face, and then in her second appearance, you get to see her face, and then in the third appearance, back of her head again. <laughs> and it's like, well, is she only allowed to show her face in one scene? But then later on, you see her face. You every see time. it a lot, dude. You yeah. see her face a lot. And also, oh, yeah, I think you were just about to bring this up, but uh, her hair—you didn't really get to see her hairstyle in that first shot. Yeah, and then you do, and then it's gone. There was a scene that cracked me up, like. I'm I'm still thinking about it. Where she's just saying that story more about like the scrunts and narfs and tattoo dicks and whatnot, and she says narf like twenty times in the span of a minute, and and it's played so seriously. And all anyone can think about is that this is a word from Pinky in the Brain, mm. and it it. it, it we uh, it's and it's so distracting how much we all as a society know that this is not if you don't even know that it's also just a silly word, naf, and the fact that every actor is saying it seriously and very Paul often. Giamatti says it occasionally with like a, <laughs> that's kind of like narf narf, <laughs> but even that isn't enough. I wish to narf. I wish to God narf that. Bob Balaban's character got to say it at all. Like, I don't think he got to say enough. I don't think... I don't think he said any of the mythology phrases. I really would have loved it if he... The best line he had was, Hey, that's not a dog. <laughs> when he realizes it's not a dog. Um, I, uh, I hated all the secondary characters, if I'm honest. Like, I didn't like any of them, except for Bob Balaban. And he's the one we get introduced to, and he's the outsider. And it's supposed to be, like, this quirky, like, oh, look, this guy's lifting up his arm, and, hey, get out of the stairwell. You could get someone hurt. No, he doesn't. Hey, you guys shouldn't be smoking. Like, none of that ever pays off, except for it's red herrings. Like, hey, that lady likes animals. I think you'll get along with her. And then he's like, I did get along with her. And when we met her... I said out loud, look, I'm not as malicious as Bob Balaban's character, but 
I, just having met this woman, do not get on with her. I cannot believe that he does. Can you believe that Bob Bellamy's critic character is friends with that lady who's covered in butterflies and has cats everywhere who speaks as a hippie? I do not believe for one fucking second a conversation that they would have that would sustain the idea that they're friends. Can you? The I'm sorry, I would never have the audacity to assume another human being's intentions. So I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. I don't know if anyone gets on with anyone. Will do. Okay. Well, Will. 199 episodes with this guy, and you finally said it for me. Well, Will, <laughs> you got me there. I'm just gonna now. This is the point where I turn my back to you. I'm going to open the door, close it, and you're gonna jump and just miss me by a fraction of a second. Okay. And oh. Oh, sorry, Ryan. I flashed my dick earlier, so there was nudity in this episode. I loved how they think that the horror of scrunts is just pushing the camera really fast and speeding it up in post and making the actor thrash their shoulders around with nothing happening. I love that. <laughs> um, if we could just return to the ass for a moment. We may. I, but you didn't want to This talk about is it about to be He's me. He's returning to it now. This is about to be me probably exposing to you and to Bartek and all the listening people, probably for the 27th time this episode, that I am, in fact, a blithering idiot. Oh, you didn't realise I thought... No, no, no. (laughs) I thought when we were first introduced to Soon Young Choi with this arse show, I'm like, is she a prostitute working in this apartment building? Dude, dude. That's what I thought. I'm not convinced that she may not be a prostitute (laughs) with the way that they construct a character. There's a scene I laughed so hard at where he's on the mobile phone to her, like a little flip phone. And what isn't funny is the actual comedy in the scene. That's not funny at all where the grandmas, like the old lady's like, give me the phone, blah, blah. What's funny is you hear on the phone, doof, 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 doof. And then very distinctly and clearly like it's doof, 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 doof. And then... Hello, Mr. Heap. And it's like, it's so clear. And then he's like, where are you? What do you mean where she is? Of course you know where she is. If you hear doof doof music, she's at a club. And she goes, I'm at a club, Mr. Heap. And then, no joke, he exchanges a line with her, gives the phone back to the you know, the mother, grandmother, whatever. The he mom, gets it yeah. back and the music's no longer in the background and she's just speaking and it's still like she's yeah. supposed to be at the and, club. And her pretense, her pretense is that like, hey, don't tell my mum that I'm at a dance club. I'm actually at like... Ballet. Ballet cl- or dance classes. Yeah, and then she found out and then she gives the speech about the NAFs. Yeah. I, 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 there's no, there's I, no I knowledge she was a prostitute she, she could be a prostitute, scene. you know, you know, she can be. Nothing wrong with being a sex worker. If you are, that's great. But, like, I don't know. I hated all of them, these secondary characters, because they were non-characters. I hated every time we visited Jeffrey Wright doing a crossword puzzle and we sat down for five minutes to watch him figure out a crossword. Like, we were going to be enjoying that. And then it's like a twist that, oh, he's not actually involved in any of this. Is his son, who we should have obviously guessed, the son from my the kid from My Wife and Kids and Heroes, being able to read... Cereal boxes, but then they fuck that up because he doesn't even read it correctly. And he makes a like, mistake, but he realizes that. You Ryan. fucking idiot! Like I would have, if I was Paul, I'd been like, "Hey kid, get here!" And then just. But <clears> Ryan, <throat> it was his first you time. You idiot! You know he cost Jesus his life over there. Because if she dies, he goes down with her. Could I, I um? I'm Potiomati. I like, was in sideways. Respect look, Ryan, me. <laughs> cereal boxes is a complicated language. <laughs> it you know, is. It's it hard. Is. Um, could we um? This is not related to the movie, but I've got a bit of a problem. I don't know if you guys could help me with it. Okay. So, um, 
I'm really worried. Yeah. I know this Asian mother, but she doesn't get along with me. Oh, yeah. What can I do to, like, you know, uh, make her get along with dude, me? Dude, it's traditional that you show her your child. You Like, you as a child. Me as a child. But, I'm, dude, I'm 20. I'm almost 27. you got a like, beard. The heart beard. of a child. You well, need to show But, like, what does that mean? Your child's What heart. you need to do is you need to drink some, what was it, milk? Hot milk or whatever, and get it all over your mustache. And then and wipe then, it off, yeah? And then wipe it off. And then when it cuts to you again, you've got even more milk on than you did before. To oh, a wait, distracting wait, degree. Wait. Sorry, I am... And then you got to no, act no, like I, a kid no, on the couch. I'm not oh, you mean like sit properly? And... No, 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 no. Topple over and then let your leg wiggle in the air like a dog does. And and then, I don't know, talk to her in a kiddie voice, but you still got your adult Paul Giamatti <laughs> voice for some reason. And then she can trust you. That's an age-old fable about Asian women is, dude, if you ever got married to an Asian woman... You would have to do that. You know the film Crazy Rich Asians? That should have been the like the plot. That should have been like <laughs> what was it? the character, the actress? I'm forgetting the one from Fresh Off the Boat, Constance Wu. She should have at the end for Michelle Yeoh just done that. She should have just drunk some milk, got on her side, wagged her leg in the air like a doggy, and then just said in a Paul Giamatti voice, "I'm a kid now." That would have been a. Gr- in fact, I am a kid. Tell they should have done story, that. They should have done that in Meet the Parents. Meet the Foggers. <laughs> they should have done it in any Melt movie. Melt Robert De Niro's heart. Any movie with in-laws or, or or anyone. Oh, guess who? Guess who? Instead of racist jokes, milk mustache. Milk, milk mustache. That would have been great. On your real mustache. Anything else we want to discuss? Oh, back to the movie now. Yeah. Uh, anything else we want to discuss before we discuss the actual end of the movie? Because I have a lot to say about the, the physical ending of this movie. But any other things you want to talk about? Any behind-the-scenes stuff or M. Night stuff or the film itself or Paul? Or... I, two points. Two? Two, count them. One two points. Oh, yeah. We got the we got two points. Um, <laughs> you first sell of me all, a real estate scheme? On the, um, on the, the discussion of the soundtrack... Mm-hmm. I mean, you said it was a lovely soundtrack, the Ryan. Score. The score. The score, itself. rather. Yeah. Uh, I hate yeah, to doof, say, doof, Ryan, doof, doof. I could barely hear any fucking music when I watched this. Oh, really? Like, it was a... I could was barely hear the, the score. Was it underneath I'm all sorry, the... I, I, had, I had that volume pumping, and yet I could barely hear any music well, it's so because I'm sorry. it's because sure you had it on 30 not 31 i'm sure it's a lovely <laughs> i'm sure it was a lovely score but um i didn't hear enough of it to form an assessment but you know what you did hear will that i didn't and ryan did hear but i didn't what what was it again it was jg oh yeah actually no i got three <laughs> points here it's a three point scheme motherfuckers All right. will's on slide number 1 right now boy when he gets a slide number 2 we're going to go off this you know, chain. I, I, I like the rhythm where you say, Lil's on slide number one right now, but then you didn't like rap. <laughs> I only leave that for my wedding, okay? Where I rap and beatbox. Uh, we didn't go, though. So Thank uh-huh. you for reminding me this, about this bar because I was probably oh, going to forget it. All right, so the version... One. All right, we've been through point number one. We're up to point number two. Slide two, motherfuckers. Slide two. Boom, boom, boom. Baby. Anyway, um... I watched a version with subtitles, which I congratulations. If you're going to watch this movie, I, I've considered subtitles basically mandatory. I'm going to watch it in braille. Yeah, watch it in braille. Got you have to bumps, feel it in braille. Got little bumps going. No, no, I watch the braille. It just bumps out of like one of those old-fashioned um, 
tickets the machine. Oh the, right, yeah. Got the, the ticket the, tape going. The ticket tape ones that Mr. Burns sees his stock through, and it's like he opens up the cupboard, and it's like decades and decades of it just rolls out. But go on. Slide don't, number two. No, don't don't feel the braille. Lick the braille. Use your tongue to figure out the braille. <laughs> I, um, it's a sense. Moving on. Yeah, Jake. Oh, okay, so I'll I watch it with subtitles. For it. Right. I, I I strongly recommend you watch it with subtitles. There's, yes. there's a lot of terms. Uh, a lot scrums. of whispering. A lot of. And you know, important to keep track of it. Oh, I can't breathe right now. I've just been inhaling too far. Okay. In the version I watched, during that scene where Paul Giamatti is uh, testing out his uh, guardian powers. Story the refers character. to the scrunt as, and she says a word before scrunt like two or three times in that scene, and it was put in the subtitles as P G or P J scrunt. You said J-G, like structured yeah. like initials. J G. I can't even remember what I said. The point is, she says two it gained letters. These initials. What was going on there? Enlighten me. Well, it's because it broke the tattoo-tick law, so now it's no longer a scrunt, but a JG scrunt. What does the J? What's the JG stand for? Well, obviously you need to be in bed, tucked in with a cup of milk, for me, your father, M. Knight, to give you that answer, Will. And do not wipe off the milk moustache. No, Daddy likes it on. <laughs> and there was just before you get slide two and three off the table there was a bit where uh, there's that shot of the the cusp of her butt cheek showing where he's she's fully naked and we just see her legs all oh, right yeah and you yeah. see the cusp of a butt cheek and i just kept saying like m night this is for your kids right and then when he's like put some clothes on and she just puts on the shirt and we still see the cusp of the butt cheek i'm just like I think I think Daddy likes that shot. I think their Daddy M Knight likes that visual aesthetic of the cusp of a buttock. <laughs> I don't know why, but he I likes. Think, I think Daddy likey. He's very comfortable with the fact that that scene location is only forty-five minutes away from his house, too. <laughs> so yes, forty-three. Yes. That ties into slide three. <laughs> Bartek, you brought this up to me, and I, I strongly suspected that the pool was constructed for this film. But I did not realise, <laughs> I did not realise until Bartek pointed it out on the bus that the entire apartment building was constructed for this film. Yeah. And one of M. Night Shyamalan's stipulations mm. was it has to be 45 minutes from his house. A stipulation for his own project. It was 43 <laughs> minutes. So, you know, he was getting good he value there. He always shoots in Philadelphia, I'm pretty sure, for the most part. Uh which is great because it ties into After Earth because, as we all know, Will Smith is from Philadelphia, born and raised. West Philadelphia, specifically. And do we know if is M. Night was from... 45 minutes away? <laughs> that could be. That Slide might be too far. Three. So there you go. Was that all your slides? That That's your all points? my slides, but now I have a question for you guys. Okay, slide four, technically. Go on. All right, guys. I'm ready. I, I want to propose a hypothetical for you, and I want you. And I'm going to take it literally. And then I want you to answer this question. Yeah, you you have I'll to take give, it literally. You have to give me a real life answer to this hypothetical, otherwise you will die. Yeah. Okay, so the hypothetical is: Would this film be better if it was animated? Go. That's a good question. Hmm. Would the whimsy work better if it was animated? I think the voice acting would help make us hear. No, it won't. Because then they wouldn't be restrained so much by uh, no. They would, space. they would lean into it more. They'll be like even more like instead of um uh, uh Bryce House Howard being like, my name is Dwayne. 
It would be instead that would be the difference it would just be more 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 as a joke yeah but they'd still 3d or 2d animated shit you can answer for either I, I, which would I don't you think to would, could work better i think 2d would work i think right. 2d something something good uh the answer is no from me um i think it doesn't need to be a movie <laughs> I think this needed to stay as a children's story he told to his kids when giving them milk and mum standing behind them with just a shirt on. Well, the question specifically was, would it be better than what we got? No. So it would be worse? Neither would be, but no, no, it would be equal. Equal. Equal doesn't mean better. Um, it would be equal. Um, this should have remained a bedtime story that his kids listened to as they gently dozed off. And had their dad just ramble on about how he sees dead people. They're everywhere. And, and I'm the writer. And the, and the cusp and ha- of women's asses. And the cusps of their mum's buttocks over there as she's just wearing a t-shirt and no pants. And she's like leaning against the doorway, wiggling her eyebrows and rolling her eyes and going, glug, glug, daddy's had a few. Like, whatever <laughs> gets M. Night going. I have no res- disrespect towards the man, but this was boring 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 and that's all the points i have to make any further for this movie is it was boring if you think any of what we've said has made it entertaining and you haven't watched it don't watch this wait you said you had points Bartek. about the ending yeah what oh yeah, yeah. answer no. my question i did no no the points oh, about the again, ending is what it. like separate like i was saying like do we have further points before we get to that right, right. but that's that's kind of it outside of the actual end anything you want to bring up further before we talk about this no, we can go to the end now, I think. I hated it. I just hated it. We, we like. I don't get any closure from it. Like, oh, she gets on an eagle, and then it's like a shot of Paul from in the water from below. It, like, ends as soon as her goal is completed. Her goal. Like, yeah. she was the main character. I have no understanding of how this affects Paul afterwards. Does his stutter go away? Does he become a better person? Uh, if there was more... His mind is so blown that he becomes more wise, I guess. I don't know. Yeah. Like, even something as neat as the end shot could just be all of them from... Instead of a below point of view where the camera's underneath the water, and I get it because it's Lady in the Water and water's a symbol, blah, blah, blah. It would have been better if it was from above, from a bird's eye view, because she's on the bird, of all of these people who were once kind of uh, kind of adversarial all standing together looking up in hope that'd be a very fairy tale ending yeah but instead it's from below in a fucking pool and he's in the dark and and <laughs> the water's swishing around so we don't even get a, like a solid image of paul it's kind of like this are you saying there's something distorted about him now yeah and his last line's like and there she goes or something like that and there she goes a very much like <laughs> she's gone now <laughs> i hated it i hated it because it just ends nothing the character assassination and just ending like cut to black hated i love the end end though did you stay to the end of the credits i can't remember what happened where, where at the end of the credits he has something like i made all the sto- message the story yeah. for kids and it's like and now go to bed <laughs> and it was like m i'm not your, i'm not your son bro i'm not your son did you well, guys daughters you're not his daughters well well i'm a boy but you're not his daughters. Yeah, but he was saying, like, as kids in general. Now, now go to bed. But it said daughters. Oh, did it say daughters? Yeah, for my daughters, I think it was. Well, I'm not his son. But you're also not his daughters. 
You don't know that. <laughs> no, I do. You don't oh, know that. For sure, I oh, do. Oh, shit. What? Slide five. What, Will? After watching this movie, I didn't go to bed for another hour. I didn't f- listen. You're going to have to go over Daddy Shyamalan's lap and get a little bit of a spanking on the cusp of the buttock. Well, collapse. I was already in my house, but I was alone. Or, <laughs> or so I thought. You were minding his house, weren't you? <laughs> yeah. Some advice, Will. Bring some milk and no towel to wipe your mouth. <laughs> Got to get it on the mustache. <laughs> and he and Will's not allowed to tell you what's happened to him. We have to guess it with him pulling on his ear and, and pointing hair. at a wall or whatever it was. All right, when, you come, no. when you come over to my house, now keep in mind you got to bring over six pints of milk and no towel. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's all we're going to say on this bad boy, huh? Uh, uh, do you want me to give my final thoughts? Let's give our final thoughts, I guess, Bartek. You go first, Bartek. You're the host, Will Lowry. Thank you for giving me permission for a thing I didn't request. <clears throat> okay, then. Disrespectful. Go, go, <laughs> go, go, go. All right, I'll go. leave. Um, yeah, I mean... Get I... out of my house. <laughs> no, no, he's talking about his favorite band, OK Go. OK Go. <laughs> um, yeah, it's pretty much what I said earlier. I thought that it had ideas if it was executed... <laughs> and if it was executed better... <laughs> Any story can be credited with that. <laughs> Anything can be credited with ideas. Did. Yes, but I, I, specifically the follow-up <laughs> was going to be, it had ideas, and if it was executed better, then it would have been a better film. I don't know if I would have liked it still if it was a better film, mm. but there are many little things that could have been done to just not make it as sloppy as it was. Yeah. I don't regret watching it. I wasn't straight-up bored but it wasn't a great film. I love Paul Giamatti. And I still love him very much. He is a saving grace in this movie for time. They mishandle characters, including his in this movie, and that is the greatest offense for me. Outside of the fact that the film is tonally and structurally and pacing-wise slow and plotting. This film has ambition yes it has ideas yes but those ideas are propelled forward by someone who believes in anything that they do to the point of blind egotism and i like m knight as a person he seems smart he seems like he knows what he's doing and I hope that he gets back to making films again that people like. He's been doing that recently with stuff like Split. I hope that something like this he can look back on as a c- constructive point of view and say that was a misstep and I could do better. At the moment it seems like he's still very defensive about that. I will never watch this movie again in my life. Unless I'm doing some event in which I'm watching every Paul Giamatti movie or some reasoning. It's dull. It's not as fun as I expected or not even as bad as I expected. It is just boring and bad. There are some, like Will said, some interesting things that one can think about. But I don't find those things as fascinating as other people do. So it doesn't tickle me any anyway. Lady in the Water, I mean, they said the title in the movie, so five out of five. <laughs> Narf! Um, I thought this film was 
absolutely bloody shocking, but I it, it's a mess. But it was it was not a mess in the way I was expecting. Like I was kind of procrastinating on watching this. I just thought it was going to be boring, and I'd heard it was a bit self indulgent. But it's highly self indulgent, and it's just it's gone wrong in some bizarre and fascinating ways. And I I I just don't understand some of it. I still don't understand a great deal of what's gone wrong. Yeah. But I have a sixth slide, a sixth sense slide. Okay, boom, boom, boom. Six, six, six. Um, there were three monkeys in the movie, and Bartek's wearing a shirt with three monkeys on it. So I am, yeah. Bartek, take the shirt off. We're not allowed. We're not allowed to have tattoo dicks inside. That's the law. I would, but I'm wearing headphones, so I'd have to take them off. Fuck, too. man. I mean, it's over now. They're hey. all, they're coming for us. We're going to die. All right. Well, no, you said we're not going to die if we answer that question from before, and we did. We did. Oh, oh. Well, Shit. I, I, I'm not consistent. <laughs> well, Just not consistent. You like the film. That's our thoughts on uh, Lady in the Water. I think it's time to take it up to wrapping it up town. Celebrate the fact that Bartek and I have done, have published out 200 episodes of content. A big celebration to be had. Thank you. It's always good to bring you into the fold, Will. You are our first guest, and you've been here for some of the monumental milestones. So and you're course, our last guest. And you're <laughs> our last guest. Goodbye. You're dead now. Um, well, our show's dead. No, he's dead now, and then we mourn, and we don't do any more episodes. Um, this has been a very fun experience. I, I didn't think that we would get so much out of Lady in the Water. I thought it was going to be like, yeah, it was bottled and dull and that was it. Uh, but we got a lot more out of this. A pleasure, Bartek, to be hosting 200 episodes of content with you. Technically, I haven't done 200. I'm a few behind. Yeah, just it's three. It doesn't matter. It's close that, enough. That, that's few. Yeah. I, could, I nailed it. Like, Jesus. Uh, a pleasure, as always, f- to the listening people for actually listening and... Uh, you know, all of that good stuff. You can find us on the social medias of Facebook and Twitter, Spit and Polish Presents. Pretty easy. Our email is spitandpolished at gmail.com. Email us with your thoughts, queries, questions, suggestions, and, you scams. know. Scams. Scams and death threats and or, you know, uh, congratulations or death threats. Uh, always appreciated. So that's spit and polished at gmail.com. Information is in the description. And rate us and review us on all these, you know, podcast platformers that allow it. We greatly appreciate it. Like Shyamalan for Ego Sense. If you give us enough five star reviews, we'll make a nearly two hour long vanity project called This Episode of This Podcast, in which I'm pretty sure we're going to be around the two hour mark, if not over. Uh, a pleasure. Thank you very much, listening people. Thank you to Paul Giamatti. T.Y. Just a solemn clap for Paul. He knows. You know, somewhere right now, Paul's filming something. And he has just, in the scene, paused because he could hear the clap from all the way in the park. He feels a chill, but like a pleasant chill. Pleasant chill. Until next time, listening people. Remember? I'm Paul Giamatti and I should have got an Oscar for Sideways, dang it. And be sure to watch the film I recommend for next week. Oh, fuck. I forgot about that aspect (laughs) because I've been thinking about like this. And I also forgot, too, another aspect. Bartek, next week, 
what's the movie that you're choosing <laughs> for us to watch? I can't believe we're going to wrap up the episode and forget about that. I was like, wait, why are you wrapping up? <laughs> uh, I just got really wrapped in the moment, man. You were so emotional. <laughs> I was. I'm, I'm, this is an emotional milestone, man. Uh, okay, so next week I've picked a film from 2003, and... Uh, oh, no. Oh, shit. You don't like 2003? No. Oh, no. It's from Unizero. <laughs> um, this is December, guys. It's the Christmas month of the year. What? It means you're going to choose a Hanukkah movie again. <laughs> I already watched... <laughs> I already watched um, Keeping Up With The Steins. <laughs> Well, that wasn't Hanukkah. That was a bar mitzvah. Oh, sorry. Bar mitzvah. Sorry. Go on. No, no. It's not 12 Crazy Nights. Um, so I've... What? We're watching 12 Crazy Nights? No. Good. Is that from 2003? I, I, I guess. I don't know when it's from. I didn't know it existed until like a few years ago. Well, no, Brian. It's not that film. That film's in English. The film that I have picked is a 2003 Japanimation film called Tokyo Godfathers. Oh, that's supposed to be really good. I've been meant to. It's good. Been meaning yeah. to watch that actually. Tokyo Godfathers. Are we watching? What's the recommendation to watch this in subs or dubs? Um, subs. Subs. I haven't seen it in dubs, so I don't know. Oh, okay. Um, so was it Tokyo Godfather? Godfathers. Godfathers. Yep. I gotta ask this. Is it? A, is it? Is it a hentai? No. Because your track record thus far. That's for mystery box. I, that's still, but you still knew what it was. I knew things you brought, about it. You yeah. brought me it. All right, so next this is an acclaimed episode. theatrical film. Wait, Bartek. <laughs> what? Did you tell us what "Lady in the Water"'s title is in Polish? No, no, that's not this show. He doesn't know Polish anymore. Hence, we're now called Spit in Co- Irish. Kobiet- we're not doing that. We're do- Spit in Irish. <laughs> <laughs> it's probably Kobieta's Vodę or something. So make sure next episode to watch Tokyo Godfathers in the subtitled version is what we're I going will. to be referring to. Also, I played a song at the beginning of this episode that our good friend Matt Brown compiled together for us. I'll put his information in the description too. Thank you very much, Matt, for making us our Giamatti song. Now we can end the episode by saying, remember, Ryan, next time, remember to let Bartek pick his movie and also to thank Matt Brown. Well, next time you pick the film. Next time when it's your turn to pick. I would never forget it's my turn. I'm an egotist. I'm M. Night. The twist was I'm M. Night Shyamalan all along. Woo-doo-doo.